The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Do we have an, are we doing a cold opener? We were calling Ben Daddy. Yeah. You think oh, that would no. be? That no, would I love be? that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Serving Daddy vibes. Huh? <laughs> Big Daddy energy. <laughs> Did I go to a car tour? This is Toby Manhire. It's October the 15th, the morning after the election, 2023. Here we are in the spin-off studio with Ben Daddy Thomas and Annabelle Lee Mather. Jai Butler is here on a Sunday making it all happen. The spin-off members are our beloved um, patrons, mm. friends. Shareholders. New Zealand is back on track. Uh, the All Blacks won the rugby. The r- it was very stressful. <laughs> it's gauche to talk about it, but it was very stressful. It wasn't stressful as of last night when there was a presumptive national government and national governments win Rugby World Cups. Well, there you go. I must. John Key brought two home. That's right. Everything changed suddenly, and that was the difference <laughs> when they were there. Probably they had a big cardboard cutout in the dressing room in Stade France. Annabelle, of uh, Christopher Luxon, the presumptive Prime Minister. Maybe. I was very disappointed for the for Ireland. I was cheering for Ireland and all oppressed people, which is why I'm not on speaking terms with Australia this morning again. <laughs> mm. I only just started talking to them again and now we're not talking. You're referring, of course, to the voice referendum, which was voted down mm. by the people of Australia. You this morning missed the rugby, Ben, because you were being a pundit. I was on Q&A. Questions and answers, Q- television program. Q&A, yeah, Sunday morning, current affairs show. And um, it reminded me of when I was in Parliament and tobacco uh, companies would call to try and recruit me. And at that point, you knew, it happened every... Uh, <laughs> That's when you were serving Siggy vibes. Every, every six to 12 months, everyone in Parliament gets a call from the tobacco companies as they work their way <laughs> down the list. Yeah. And everyone tells them that, you know. And you... <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 Q, and Q&A, was, it, was, it was the same. I, I think I was actually approached with, I think the opening line was, how much are you invested in the Rugby World Cup? <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. And, uh, sure and look, with true. the, you know, not knowing the outcome on Saturday, I was like, well, we don't know if we're going to win, so I can't, I can't let myself get hurt again. And, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for your service. You were great, okay. by the way. People were texting so me stressful. about you. So stressful. Was he? Good. I'm going yeah. to watch that later. I, I haven't. I haven't looked at anything this morning, so I don't know what's happened. So you, uh, Ben, and Annabelle will have to fill me in. But I do know how everything was looking as of midnight last night. Shall I just go through it quickly up top yeah, in case through. anyone has missed it? You can sort of skip forward about probably about 45 seconds if you know everything. You bloody know it all. The preliminary results. 100 percent of preliminary results. Results that's for advanced and ordinary votes. We've got 20 percent of special votes to come. That's important. We'll come to that later. But as of all of the votes counted, <coughs> National has won, I think we can say. <laughs> a W for National. Bigger vote than the polls had suggested, 39%, which would be 50 seats. Labour has fallen quite dramatically, certainly from its last election result of 50.01 to 26.9, which would garner 34 seats. Uh, as it stands, that's 17 electorate and 17 uh, list. Quite a few uh, big departures there. Maybe we'll come to that again too. ACT increased their vote, but not by as much as they would have hoped six months ago. 
to 9%. That's 11 seats. They won Tamaki for Brooke Van Velden, who unseated Simon O'Connor, the socially conservative national MP. Never underestimate the ladies. The Greens. By that, I mean the lady voters of Tamaki. Sorry, continue. The Greens up to 10.8% and get 14 seats as it stands. It's just tipped over into 14. Uh, that includes three electorates, mm. Chloe Swarbrick. All, all um, to your point, all ladies. Annabelle, ladies. The ladies, it's ladies' night. Uh, Chloe Swarbrick retained Auckland Central. Mm-hmm. Tamitha Paul smashed it mm. in Wellington Central in a three-way race, but it was clear very early that it was hers. Mm. Uh, she, I saw her a bit on the campaign in there, and she's a very good campaigner. She's fantastic. She's, she's very impressive. I mean, yeah. she's, how long has she been on the Wellington Council now? About four years, and she's yeah. about what, 16, yeah. 17 years old. So and she was the first president of Māori, president of I actually was talking to um, someone in the Green Party about this, someone senior Green Party who was just sort of marvelling at it, and, I, and, and you can see it. She has an incredible kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. When she speaks, yeah. she's got she's just a natural orator. Mm. She sort of rocks back and forth, and it's kind of quite mesmerising. Mm. Anyway, uh, Julianne Genta, Rongatai, also winning. So that's three electorates for the Greens, which is which is three more than they had two elections ago. Um, so that's impressive for them. New Zealand First is back, six point five percent, eight MPs, another. Wellington Council link, Andy Foster's in, seventh on the list. <laughs> Welcome back, Andy. Te Party Māori is sitting on 2.6% with no list MPs, but four, 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 four of the seven Māori seats, uh, four electorate seats, which creates an overhang as it stands of one. What that means is when the number of electorates you win, the number of seats you win via electorates is greater than you would have got when your party vote is made proportionate. Mm. So that means the parliament, as it stands, will have 121 MPs until November 25th, after November 25th, which owing to a very strange quirk in electoral law, which almost nobody knew about, apart from Andrew Geddes and Graham Edgler. Graham Edgler knew. Uh, because the ACT candidate died while, uh, once voting had begun. There will be a by-election on the 25th of November report, Waikato, and that will almost certainly highly, you don't think it's fair to say, almost certainly be won by Andrew Bailey, which will provide another seat to National, which could end up being in some ways critical because though it's a victory. Because Andrew Bailey is currently in on the list. Yes. But he will resign as a list MP and so they will the get whoever is next on the list. On the list yeah. uh, assuming he wins, stands and wins. Uh, assuming he does, yeah. yeah. Who um, is next on the list, by the way? Can, or am I interrupting your yeah, phone? You're jumping a bit forward, but Sorry. I think it's a good question. In terms of where National sits on the list, you mean? what? Who's in and yeah, who's I'm out? Yeah, I'm just wondering if Dale Stevens, Dale Althea Stevens got he's, he's about he's fourth, fourth, I think. He's four down. Uh, four, I, think four Nancy, I think it's Nancy Liu. <laughs> yeah, and then, then uh, Emma Chatterton, then Rumatucker, and then James Christmas, Christmas. And then Dale Stevens. James Christmas, a former colleague of yours. Former colleague of mine, very impressive. Ben. And I tipped as a future Attorney General. Yeah, I think certainly figured in uh, Nationals' plans for after the election. And so, um, but, you know, currently not in because of the huge number of electorates. Right. So the, the kind of paradox of it in a way is that you can do better, the, by doing better than you expected, you can bring in fewer list MPs than you thought you would because of and, the way that the And Emma Chatterton is another electors. one, I think, that the big reps within the party sees yeah, people seen talk as a really big future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but look, you know, I think Nancy Liu will be in after, almost certainly after Port Waikato um, and then, you know, you might see a few movements and things throughout the year. Uh, Throughout the term. Come Fun back. fact about Dale Stevens. Yes. He is the brother of academic Marmari Stevens mm. and television and filmmaker Tainui Stevens. Oh, wow. And they're all named after Waka. So he's Altia Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting fact there. Coming back to the point about the nature of the national victory. What we don't know for sure yet is whether the National Party will be able to govern with just ACT in a coalition, which is the preferred formation. As we look at it now, the seats together provide 61. 61 of a 121-seat parliament. We can assume that would become 62 of a 122-seat parliament. Now, before we before we get 
before we before we can be sure those numbers are right, we need to wait for specials. And specials historically have helped the left a bit. Mm. Specials could also, and we'll come to this a bit more when we get into the Māori seats because there's a lot to talk about there, there's also the possibility of that overhang extending. So therefore the parliament becoming more like 123 seats. That's what it was looking like for a while For a while night. there, when yeah, the Māori Party were leading overhang. in six seats. There mm. was a three, maybe 1.4. But anyway, a lot, a, a lot. And that would act against the... That, that, that would weaken, dilute the, the, right the, the majority. Mm. So there's, there's a few moving parts there, Ben. I guess the question is, is it enough as it stands for Christopher Luxon and the National Party to proceed on the basis of a two-party coalition, or you're advising the National Party here, do you jump in a car up to the Duke of Marlborough Hotel, sit down for a beer with Winston Peters and say, let's see what we can work out here just in case? I mean, I think you wait for specials. So you just wait, wait for two weeks? No. Yeah, well, look, you know, maybe send him a fruit basket. Okay. Congratulate oh, him on yeah, getting so back into right. Parliament. But, but you know, wait, wait and see how things shake out. You're right, traditionally National lose one or two seats on the specials. Um, there's some speculation that could be a bit little different this year because of, you know, the real desertion of Labour. But then, you know, maybe that just helps the Greens uh, because mm. Labour has been deserted on all sides. You mean sides. overseas? Not just overseas. No, I mean, I mean, look, we've seen across the board. We've seen some pretty unusual things happening. So, sure. who knows? Sure. Uh, and you know, but let's let's split the difference. Say they lose one, yeah. then there'll be one short, or there'll be sort of just on one once uh, Bailey comes in. And you know, look, you're all you know. You will always have the possibility of a Godov Sharma or a he was Jamie on the Twitter Ross last night. Or, yeah, that's yeah, right. He was back on Twitter. He yeah. was like, just like I predicted or something. They would have been sitting in drafts for many, many yeah. months. It was, a, it was a sort of I told you so. You he know, tweeted kind of, something about Michael Woods. Um, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, if you, you are constantly, you know, it's a sort of, like in, in America in the Senate, you know, where the Democrats are always beholden to Joe Manson mention. Um you you don't really want to be in that position where any one person, you know, uh, can become the sort of kingmaker themselves. Mm. Yeah. So look, I think they'll probably on confidence and supply at least, they will want to reach some sort of an accommodation with New Zealand first. Um Winston Peters looked pretty relaxed last night. He certainly um, you know, he he wasn't sort of talking about um, you know, a coming storm or, <laughs> or any kind of great change. I think he he was sort of he was he wasn't of, muttering darkly about Klaus Schwab. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, that's right. And I think you know, in a way, because as I said in Q and A, like you know, even for Peters, he kind of pushed the boat out this election on a lot of policy areas, and maybe being a minor support party or on the cross benches, as he's promised many times over the years and never quite followed through with. Um, Maybe that would actually suit him uh, in terms of the people who have voted for him and keeping his support up. Of course, we do have to wait for the specials because there is a very high likelihood that there's two million votes for New Zealand loyal waiting yes. to be counted. I think we have counted. to wait for the affidavits, don't we? To <laughs> That's the, a great po point. Possibly. New Zealand yeah. loyal got one point one five, which is not shabby. They got more than. The ALCP down on 0.39. There, there were two. The ALCP <laughs> got 0.39, but if they just do a little bit in specials, they'd get up to 4.2. No? <laughs> if you do that, though, of course, you're back at that situation that had been described by National as the worst-case scenario. You know, it is the, it's the one that we'd been warned against by John Key, you know, limbo, weeks of uncertainty, the economy hanging in the balance. It doesn't feel quite like that much because... Maybe New Zealand First doesn't have the leverage that it mm. would otherwise, you know. And and when John Key went around, albeit with a different sort of uh, proportion of uh, main party to others, he was able to negotiate on the basis that I'd love you to come in, but I'm not. It's not the end of the world if you don't, right? So maybe there is a way to make per Jessica Much Mackay's idea, Winston Peters Minister for Space, and you know a, a few <laughs> other a few other sort of. Choice pickings, and oh, then, sure. and then, what are you thinking about? Is that is that is that a goer? Well, I think it'd be very hard to um, to 
former government with with sixty two mm, people, yeah. I think you'd need some sort of accommodation mm. with with Winston, and yeah, it might be a couple of a couple of baubles, but. I don't know. I guess it really depends on on, on the mood of national. Like, do they want to try and a, a, and lead with just sixty two? Like, New Act and National will be pretty tidy together, I imagine. So they may want to risk it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, early on, you know, their one hundred days plans uh, for Act and National um, are basically identical, um, give or take sort of a few thousand public service immediate job cuts, <laughs> um, and. Uh, you know, so there wouldn't be too much friction there, you know, going forward, you know, there will be differences. Yeah, look, I, I think they, they will want to give themselves a bit of a buffer and there are numerous arrangements through the years, including New Zealand First in 2005, where they, you know, where New Zealand First themselves see themselves as outside of government. Mm. You know, in 2005, New Zealand First pioneered ministers outside government. (laughs) And uh, we could see a return to that kind of scenario as well. Um, Peter's Peter's is probably aware that every time he's gone into government, he's come out at less than 5%. Um, and so I think that he might see that, mm. you know, especially given that he isn't, you know, it's, it's not as pivotal a position in mm. terms of leverage as maybe some people were expecting. You know, maybe he can take it a little easier this time, stay outside, throw a few stones while keeping it stable for the country. Mm. You know? Yeah, I think, I think he'll quite like the having the ability to criticise the government from outside, but also potentially hook a couple of portfolios um, for him and, and um, Shane Jones. Yeah. And, and he will, you know, and this is not high hope being ageist to say it, he will be 81 at the next election, you know. So <clears throat> although... He doesn't seem like the kind of man who easily relinquishes power or his appetite for, 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 for power doesn't seem to have diminished over time. But if there was to be a transition in the leadership to Shane Jones at some point, maybe that's part of the thinking. The Labour Party, I don't think, I think we, we need to be clear that this is a massive drop, you know. I think that there are lots of, Circumstances, um, extenuating circumstances, and and uh, I think that Chris Hipkins can rightly say he was dealt a hellishly, fiendishly difficult hand. Mm. There were so many different things. We've talked about them at length. COVID, the the um, recovery from that, the sort of carousel of ministers exiting cabinet, none of which was can really be pegged directly on Hipkins. Nevertheless, the party's gone from over fifty to under 27. They've hurt, they were hurt too, I think, by turnout, as we were, we talked about a bit in advance. Turnout is being reported by the Electoral Commission as of this morning, estimated at 78.4%. Mm. That's down from 82.2%, and I would wager that that's Labour voters <laughs> in large part. So that has kind of, I think, magnified what we saw in the polls a bit. Um, by the way... in the great Megapod pick the turnout number. 78.4% was picked by two people. One of them was David Seymour Mm. and the other one was Grant Robertson. Wow. Wow. So um, if that holds, 78.4%, we have to get them in together to enjoy their (laughs) box of chocolate fish. But but, but what happened to Labour? What happened to Labour, Annabelle? Um. Well, yeah, all of the things that you've talked about in terms of the general seats, um, COVID, wealth tax, um, poorly performing ministers. But I think the story that we're seeing unfold in the Māori seats is very different. I don't think that Māori voters are punishing Labour and their MPs in the Māori seats. I think what we're seeing is that Māori for a long time have wanted an unbridled Māori voice on the left. And when Te Pāti Māori first came to be, that's what they thought they were getting. Mm. And then very quickly they saw that that was not the case, that it was actually a very conservative um, party who propped up a a right-wing government. I think the way Deb and Rawiri have managed uh, the party over the last three years and JT and the strategies that they've employed have given Māori confidence that they can safely vote for a left-wing unbridled Māori voice. Um, 
I think that Māori actually like their, their Māori Labour MPs, but they, they don't want to see them being having their voices restrained. Like, I'm sure if you were to do a show of hands amongst the Māori MPs and Labour, probably all of them supported instituting a wealth tax. Um, and I think um, those are the reasons that we're seeing those those Māori Party MPs come through. And, and you know, Labour's vote has held up pretty well in the Māori seats, so I think it's about a left-wing Māori vote rather than a vote against those Labour Māori MPs per se. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the only hiccup to that theory is that if if it was about sort of wanting an unbridled Māori voice, then surely there would have been a bit more support for Mika Whaiteri, you know, which no, was, that was she, what the, no, was no, narrative. No, because yeah, she her. is seen as an incumbent. And I think one of mm. the interesting things that we're going to, and also, people of Ikaruarafati, they're still in the clutches of a crisis, and she mm. walked and she walked out on them without a compelling reason. Oh, sure, so yeah. I think, I think that the great question that's going to hang over Ikaruarafati is: Would Heather Teo Skipworth have won that seat mm. if their party yeah. Māori yeah, yeah. had kept her? Yeah. And actually, looking at the results, I think she very well may have. Yeah, that's right, and I, I, I think the I don't think you know. Hard to say, of course, because I was so wrong in my predictions about them. But the Māori seats, um, I think part of it is a general extension of what's happening, what happened everywhere around the country, which was it wasn't just a swing from Labour to National. You know, it was basically um, almost like a uh, flying off a spinning carousel from Labour in all directions. Everybody else. So, you know, the Greens Which is what happens when you go over 50%. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the Greens got, got electorates. Right. Party Māori got electorates. Act, um, act sort of, you know, that was their own thing. But um, and National picked up, you know, crazy ones. You know, I mean, I was at the National Party Party last night um, down on the waterfront and, you know, if I as soon as I met somebody, I just had to say, you know, congratulations, just in case they were a presumptive winner of an electorate that I'd never heard of, mm. you know. And <laughs> I was down there too, <laughs> briefly, and as I arrived, there was a chant of Carlos, 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 and it was the team of Carlos Chung, the national candidate for Mount Roskill, who has beaten Michael Wood. Definitely someone yeah. that I've heard of before. Extraordinary. Can well, I say I mean, the other thing that's happened in the Māori seats is um, is that Māori see the rise of the right and the rhetoric that's that's happening on the right. And, and so that vote is also, again, like I said before, not just about punishing Labour but sending a strong signal to the, to the right who wants to erode the rights of Māori in terms of treaty, equity, te order, which is probably now gone. And so it is it is a protest vote, but it's not a protest vote against what was just the government. It's a protest vote about the to, to the incoming government. It's interesting too in that there's probably a certain amount of strategic voting, which we sometimes see in the Māori seats, and that if, you know, we've got four at the moment going to Te Pāti Māori, Two are in the balance, and those are Tamaki Makoto, where there's a 495 seat lead to, uh, sorry, uh, vote lead to Penny Henaria, and Te Taitukaro, where Kelvin Davis has 487 votes, both both narrow, both 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 vulnerable to special shifting, mm. but but Māori get greater representation, arguably, by having by making that overhang happen. And having mm. therefore, um, if, uh, per your theory, more 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 uh, strength on the left. Well, like Ben says, Maori are the most strategic voters in the country, and you know there's been this narrative that Maori only ever vote national. But if you look at places like Te Tai Tokiro and the churn in those oh, seats yeah. over the last like thirty years between Labour, New Zealand First, Te Party Maori, Mana Party, all of that, like. Mm. You cannot bank on Māori votes. Māori votes are not are no longer um, safe votes. No one has, um, you know, a mortgage on the Māori votes anymore. Te Tonga, can we just talk quickly about oh. that as well? I mean, that has been sort of almost. I mean, <laughs> you know, not to say that it's a it's 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 necessarily an issue of you know of royal succession or primogeniture or whatever, but at the Tirakatene 
Ano has had a grip on that for a long time. Yeah. For um, literally the better part of it, about seven, more than 70 years right. over the last 100 years. And you were bigging up on this podcast the other day, Annabelle, Taku to Ferris. Mm. And he's in. Yeah, he's in. Um, can I say I like and great for him. Um, if I was Māori TV, I'd be demanding a refund on their poll results because they were so wildly out. Um, and, and, you know, and that's not good because polls influence the way people think and the way people vote. But anyway, he's pulled off an incredible victory there. Um, and he, like I said before, is the future of the Māori Party. I saw um, Rino do an interview very early in the evening on Fakata Māori last night, literally only about maybe 15% of the vote was counted, and he did a very gracious, essentially, concession, uh-huh. it all and said, um, and said that, you know, he is pleased to see that such strong advocacy for te iwi Māori will remain um, and talked about, you know, this is the world of politics, the tide rises and the tide goes out. And what what I really appreciated about his kōrero is that sometimes in the Māori seats people get a sense of entitlement and when the vote doesn't go their way, they berate Māori voters and compare them to, like, bashed women and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know... Rino was incredibly gracious and classy in his kōrero last night, as was Nanaya. And, um, and you know, who would have thought that he'd be unseated? But he was, he's a phenomenal, camp, um, you know, competitor, Taku Tai. Nanaya Mahuta, yeah, 20, I mean, the, 26 years. You know, these, these are two real uh, sort of dynastic yeah. toplings. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, what's your sort of thought on... A few things were kind of clicking together in my head that um, Duncan Grieve of the spin-off did actually did a really, I kind of hated him for writing it because it was a, a long profile that made me like Shane Jones again. And um, <laughs> and, uh, and and Jones there, you know, he talked about how when he was sort of coming up, uh, you know, in what was then called Māoridom, now would be like Tao yeah, Māori. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it, it, was, it was people like, you know, Matu Rata and... Mm things like that, and he said, you know, n- nowadays, you know, pe- people are getting, you know, they're, they're following more in the foot, sort of footsteps of Moana Jackson or Elizabeth, uh, not not Elizabeth Rutt, you know, the exact opposite, Margaret Mutu, mm-hmm. um, and sort of drawing more, you know, from sort of um, identity as Indigenous peoples, you mm-hmm. know, sort of broadly. Um, and and Debbie Nariwapaka, I know, has sort of talked about, you know, you know, more rangatahi, you know, sort of see Māori identity as like, you know, really primary to their mm. everyday lives, um, you know, in in a sense that, you know, that that maybe wasn't previously. Yeah. And and so, you know, to what extent do you think that was sort of reflected? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to know and I think it'll be quite hard to know until we see what the breakdown of voter turnout is in terms of rangatahi. I suspect what we're seeing is our kura kaupapa kids coming of age mm. and taking part in the voting system and not, you know, like it's not just the kaumatua who are deciding anymore. And so that puts those dynastic seats at risk because with the old loyalties um, no longer apply. So I think it's about, you know, those those movements um, that were started in the in the seventies and eighties um, coming to bear in terms of um, our our dem- democracy here. Raising capital or taking your business to the world, Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the U.S. market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Returning to the Labour Party, Chris Hipkins, after his speech at the Hutt Valley Event Centre last night, said that he would take some time to reflect. He wasn't uh, making any decisions yet, basically. You know, the, 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 
And um, I think Megan Woods, I don't know if she was on Q&A this morning. Yeah, sure. Ben, she, she suggested that they'd like him to stay. Is that she said he'd have the confidence of the caucus. Yeah. Yep. Um, the caucus, I think, needs to vote to endorse within three months under the rules as they are. Um, and, you know, I mean, arguably he, he, he showed himself to be New Zealand's best opposition leader during the course of the campaign, you know. Mm. Uh, he really <laughs> – and, and so you'd expect he's, he's very good in parliament – He's quite tenacious. Does he? Is he? Does he get persuaded to stay on? I mean, uh, you know, it's these days. It's not that usual, and around the world for people mm. to to stick around. Um, does he stay? And if he doesn't, who else is there? I think that, you know, I think that there's value in in leaders who have lost, like staying on and helping to rebuild and having another tap at it. I think. You know, you learn a lot during a, a, the camp, a campaign as a leader, and I think you know sometimes we can be too quick to chuck that experience away. But at the same time, I think that Hipkins, you know, who campaigned like his heart out literally in those last couple of weeks, mm. all respect to him, but he actually needs to do some soul searching about where he sits in the political landscape because Labor are a- absolutely being punished by their own people. Um, for for their policy positions, that's why that's the right. Greens are doing so epically well. So unless he's prepared to to you know look deep inside and think about things like you know wealth tax and all of that, then uh, there may not be no any re- point in re- him. Not for no one. reason did we hear on the campaign trail various Labor candidates saying basically. I'd quite like to do capital gains tax and or wealth mm. tax, but uh, mm. no, we're not, we're not allowed to at the moment, not with Chippy. And so that does, given he has made those pledges, Ben, not to shift on those policy positions, given he has pretty much tied himself to the mast of uh, relatively risk-averse Labour manifesto, do you, think, do you think he, A, wants to stay, B, will be wanted to stay as and when Labor starts to rebuild itself from a both a personnel and policy focus? Uh, I would say he almost certainly doesn't want to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been Prime Minister for about nine or ten months. Yes. He'll be with the caretaker period. Uh, barring something extraordinarily unusual happening, he's unlikely to ever be Prime Minister again. Um, I think he will probably want to start the next phase of his life. You know, I think there are certainly arguments for him staying. Uh, you know, we've seen what happens uh, to oppositions, both the national opposition and the Labour opposition before it. And, you know, if over the, so this is over the last 15 years. Just, you know, the churn and the chaos that sort of yeah. happens. Um, first of all, because, you know, any new leader thinks, well, this is my shot. You know, you don't get sort of two terms anymore. So anyone who comes in as leader sort of thinks, this is my shot, I have to make this work. Um, And, you know, they can kind of, they sort of, they tend to kind of force the pace a little bit. Um, And and it it just, you know, it creates a lot of, uh, just a lot of, yeah, sort of uh, disruption, I think. Chris Hipkins is very good at attacking, uh, you know, as we saw again, yeah, looked like an opposition leader for the last, you know, three or four weeks of the campaign. Um, and, you know, nobody is expecting, you know, innovative or exciting new policy from Labor in the next year or the next two years. And if they unveil new and exciting policy, it will fall barren on the ground because mm. no one cares, mm. right? And, you know, they don't need new policy probably until the election, the next election year or maybe a slightly before it. Prior to that, what they want to do is weaken confidence in the new government. Um, and it just it, it should just be attack, attack, attack. Mm. Um, we saw Bill English promise the opposition from hell when uh, Ardern's... Uh, government came in in 2017, and that started off that started off very well, you know, uh, in terms of you know, sort of flooding the zone with parliamentary questions, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of just attack. Yeah, there's, that, there's that great photo that. of them surrounding you know, the, that, the whip, with, yeah, you know, some yes. which is Jamie Lee Roth, <laughs> and 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 they really sort of ran rings around them, yeah. you know, and but then the wheels sort but of then, fell off because of leadership, sort of, well, you know, because Bill the, wanted so to it leave. Sounds like what you're pitching is. Uh, Hipkins stick around for a year, a year and a half, yep. and just keep the keep things firm while people have conversations with each other and all that sort of stuff. Yep. I mean, look, 
I mean, I just, you know, to get from Helen Clark to Jacinda Ardern, the Labour Party had to go via Phil Goff, David Shearer, David Cunliffe, Andrew Little, you know? Yeah. And that's the reality. And, you know, we don't need to go over what happened in the National Party similarly when they were opposition. And those will be the thoughts that will be in the minds of many of the senior Labour apparatchiks now, won't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, they won't, you know, and look, we'll see more departures, of course. I don't think Grant Robertson's going to stick around for this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is very, I, I, you know, it is important that they don't just sort of fall to pieces in the, in, and it won't, you know, it won't be immediate, but, uh, you know, the decline can set in. Mm. Um, you know, even Simon Bridges showed, you know, in uh, 2017 to 20, uh, 20, yeah, 2018, sorry, mm. to 2020. You know, if you stay solid mm. and if the government messes up, you know, you can make ground. You know, mm. there was every chance that he might have beaten Jacinda Ardern. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think the last thing they want to do is figure out all of their sort of ideological differences in the first month back, right. you know, mm. uh, because they don't need to and no one cares. Yeah. The Greens, uh, uh, they, I, I went by their uh, event last night too, and there was a real sense of uh, there was a real upbeat <laughs> mood there, which is interesting. Um, you know, it's a record result. Why shouldn't it be? But also, they're away, well away from the levers of power. Fourteen MPs, though. We talked about those electorate wins. That's a pretty impressive result. The question of leadership crops up for the Greens too. Uh, I don't think. I, don't, I think that both leaders could probably stay, given this result, if they wished to. Madam Davidson, I think, might quite fancy it, and I'm wondering, Annabelle, whether James Shaw wants to stick around for what would be, you know, he, 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 he's there to be climate change minister, isn't he? You know, that's his, that is his overwhelming driving passion in politics. And the chances of him having that again, let's face it, were probably six years ago, <laughs> six years away at best, most likely, given the way that we normally do government. And so I'm wondering whether uh, it's a Marama Davidson-Chloe Swarbrick leadership in the Green Party. Possibly. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know James well enough to know if there's a desire there for him to to stand down now or if he'll feel obliged to, like, stay on and help blood up all of these new MPs yeah, that, that, that they've brought into yeah. Parliament. And Matidia talked well last night, I thought, on TVNZ about oh, yeah. how there is so much mahi to do when you're in opposition, especially oh. when you've just brought in a big chunk of new MPs. Mm. And I think if the Greens have shown us anything, it's about how effective you can be in opposition and, you know, particularly so during um, Matidia's tenure with some of the policies they were get, able to get over the lines like the, um, what do you call it, the warm housing, all of that the sort of the stuff. insulation yeah. and yeah. lots of other things as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and look, even though a teal deal will never happen, there's no reason they can't get a memorandum of understanding yeah. from Luxon to, yeah. for a bit more insulation. Yeah, that's, the uh, rheumatic fever stuff. That yeah, was the yeah, other one. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that seems to yeah. be something that National and... Yeah. The Greens, you know, usually come to terms on, and in terms of bringing some of those new people in, who who come, mm. you know, there are, there are a, a range of different people, some of whom are more vocal than others, some of whom have more have have different uh, uh, passions to the in, others. In, 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 you can, in, in opposition, Greens, yeah, you can do different that, right? styles yeah. and you know, just just let rip, have a go. A vessel's in, eh? A vessel's in, yeah. Um, who Hannah Linden's in? Who Hannah Linden? Uh, some guy Scott, somebody that I haven't heard of. Steve Abel's in. Steve Abel is in, yep. yeah. Uh, uh, set up his electorate office in a large tree in Auckland. <laughs> he was he 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 went to he had the went I think I think Steve Abel had the whole induction thing at the last election and then Oh that's right, and then yeah. It, and then it fell away, didn't it? Yeah. Um all right. So let's talk though, because I don't think we've it's been talked about enough, is what 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 the kind of government that we've got coming up now. It's a... Uh, Let's let's assume for one second that New Zealand First, if involved, are a sort of appendage, an appendage part. Then, a national act government. What does it look like now? It's not the three part to one part that had been on the cards on the way. Yeah. And, I, and I and I I chatted to Andrew Hoggard, or even getting last close night, to two to one. At and I points, said to, you know? said to Andrew Hoggard, "Do you think you'll be in cabinet?" Um, on the on this, and he said, "Oh, I don't know. To be honest, he said, "Well, you know the." 
we're going to have not wouldn't have we're not going to have as many cabinet members as we would mm. otherwise, you know. And he's someone who so it could be that Ag'd end up with three of twenty, it's three or four really, isn't it? Um, based on these sorts of numbers, anyway. What 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 kind of what kind of government is it? It's a, it's a government of smaller, it's small, you know, bringing back the 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 size of the Men public purse. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a it's a it's a government of cuts. It's yep. the the most right wing government we will have seen for a long time. I mean, we haven't had a national act coalition, if that's what it is, ever before. Not certainly not by itself. No, the um, key government, which is the only other time Act was has been in government. Um, Act's never had seats in cabinet. No, that's right. Mm. But they have they've had ministers outside cabinet. Sure. Yeah, uh, and they were part of the government in two thousand eight, two thousand eleven, and sort of. And then they were a vestigial tail on the, on the periphery. On the periphery, this is different. Yeah. This is categorically different. Yeah, yeah. And look, it remains to be seen. There are areas where they have a lot of commonalities. Like I think I've said, you know, the first hundred days for both of them is pretty much exactly the same. Mm. Um, and so there will be absolutely no problems getting any of that over the line. Um, the four to one sort of ratio, I think, means that uh, Seymour's referendum is gone. Uh, good riddance. Um, you know, that's not that's not something that the national wants to buy into. Um, but then, you know, in other areas, uh, you know, sort of treaty relationships, there are commonalities uh, between the two. You know, that are sort of less sinister. You know, which is that you know, active long believed in devolution uh, and localism. You know, by charter schools, um, they don't see it as part of the treaty relationship. They just see it as sort of, you know, somewhere government should be going in terms of, you know, di divesting from the, cent the central state. Um, and that's also something that uh, Luxon is very big on. You, it was notable that he said, you know, uh, we need to all work together. And he said, you know, government, business, iwi and community groups. Mm. So he specifically name-checked iwi as, you know, partners for, for the next government. Um, and I think we'll see a bit more, you know, in that space than probably, you know, uh, some people seem to think because I think National did kind of, um, they got tangled up in the sort of act New Zealand first sort of um, fight to be most racist um, and I think that sort of, you know, I think it, they, they kind of caught a bit of crossfire because of that. He also has, a, as a requirement, which was sometimes phrased as almost a bottom line or not, a referendum on the definition of the Treaty of Waitangi. Yeah, that's um, the referendum that's gone. Mm. Which included the, didn't use the word Māori or iwi or anything. <laughs> in the, um, that's gone. You think that's gone? That's gone. There's, that's not happening. Um, Do you feel confident about that, Annabelle? I feel like because everybody's saying that it's gone, that it might not be gone, <laughs> that, he might, <laughs> that he might dig his heels in. Is this about, about how you want the Irish to win the rugby? A little bit. Um, I think um, I'm interested to know what happens with the, with the firearms licence thing. Mm, the register, yeah. Yeah, the register. Yeah, I mean, that could be an act win. Uh, and, um, yeah. Go. You know, there are certainly some, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very expensive exercise, mm. as all government IT projects are. And, you know, I mean, there have been some, you know, there, was, there have been horror stories already about, you know, the lists of gun owners being supply, <laughs> supplied to criminals, you know, mm. after leaks. Um, so, you know, which is the exact... You know, that's the nightmare scenario for this sort of thing. Mm. So, you know, I think there can certainly be some movement there. Um, one of the interesting things will be where ACT and New Zealand First say have commonalities, you know, kind of who gets to announce it, you know. Mm. <laughs> is, uh, but, you know, look, I think the other thing will be, yeah, the size of the state, um, you know, trimming down, you know, the costs of the public service. But the How other thing, quickly um, Tiaka Faiora gets dismantled? Yeah, look, that'll that'll be gone. That'll be folded back into um, either to Fatuoto or the Ministry of Health. Um, you know, in the different roles, the commissioning. I guess. Do we'll you think out. Ministry of Maori Development, Ministry of Pacifica, Pacific Island Affairs, um, Human Rights Commission? Do you think all of those things will go as as he campaigned? No, I, don't, I wouldn't have thought. So. No, I mean, certainly not. Um, Ministry for Pacific Peoples. The look, there is an argument that Tapuni Kokiri. Um, you know, 
since the, since the creation of Te Arafiti, the Crown Māori Relationship Office, there is an argument that Tupuni Kokiri doesn't really have that much of a mm. function. You know, right now it basically exists to sort of distribute grants, and you know, it's you can you know yeah. you can sort of think that there might be efficiencies there. Um, you know, Tupuni Kokiri is is certainly not a high performing uh, government agency mm. and hasn't been for a long time, so. The, you know, but in terms of Ministry of Pacific Peoples, that sort of thing, you know, I think, no, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, the, you know, you you just have optics problems trying to abolish the Human Rights Commission. But what what we might see is, you know, a bit more a bit more direction, you know, in terms of Human Rights Commission being, you know, letters of expectation from the ministers saying, you know, actually we would prefer if you focused on the core business. You know of the of the rights in the Human Rights Act, as mm. opposed to trying to widen your ambit and doing housing inquiries and things like that that duplicate a lot of other work that is being done, you know, across government. So that you know, you might see things like that. Um, you know, Ministry for Pacific Peoples. I'd be amazed if they kept the same sort of budget that they have now because mm. it, it sort of blew out. Well, you know, it was increased by about four hundred percent to create a Pacific Peoples strategy. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I think they would say that there's a lot of scope to save mm. for savings there. But no, you look, I don't think we'll see acts of wish list of sort of long established departments kind of carton. I'm not, I'm not banking on those things being off the table. I think that what Ben has described will happen at, 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 a, at a, as a minimum. Um, but I don't think we should underestimate how deeply Seymour believes in a lot of this stuff and how much he might be prepared to really dig his heels in, particularly given that it is quite a slim majority mm. as a national act government. So, I mean, I hope, I hope you, I really hope that what Ben is saying is correct, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see on it. because David Seymour has not been uh, backward and coming forward about how robust he intends to be in negotiations. Mm. He has not simply said that will be that will come for after the, the election. But most of that talk happened when what we were looking at was a coalition that was one quarter, mm. sometimes even more, comprising the, the ACT Party with the rest national. And now it's a bit more... A bit more old-fashioned insofar mm. as we have one very clear leading party of government. Last thing before we go. Christopher Luxon, Prime Minister. Over the course of the campaign, he has surprised a lot of us, I think, by being really personable, um, almost charismatic in his campaigning, you know, doing the meet and greet, press the flesh sort of stuff. He's showed a real aptitude for that part of which is an which is an important part of the role. He's continued, however, to be glued to his talking points. And mm. Chris Hipkins mm. went at him quite hard over the latter part of the campaign and in the last debate, especially on why won't you answer a question? Will you give a straight answer? He still struggles. He still struggles to think on his feet and to offer answers and to sometimes just give a straight answer when a straight answer is a is is will do fine. Is it the case that a bit like Chris Hipkins seems more naturally a leader of the opposition, maybe Christopher Luxon wasn't naturally a leader of the opposition, might be a bit more naturally with his managerial basis, like that or not, more naturally a prime minister? How do you both feel about Christopher Luxon, prime minister, and the challenge it's that he faces? It's going to be fascinating to watch. Would he be the most inexperienced politician to ever become prime minister in the country since parliament was started? I don't know. As a I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. he's going to have yeah. to have John Key on speed dial and be like, "Do you know where the toilets are in the, the Beehive?" Like, I, I'm lost on the ninth floor. Hell, so. What's this thing they keep saying? Post cab. What does that mean, What's John? That? Are we drinking red wine on a Monday morning? Like. Um, yeah, look, I, th I think that might actually be the case that, you know, his skill set is, you know, his skill set is certainly not, you know, was certainly not that of, you know, a, a born politician, you know, when he came in. He, you know, he has improved. He's improved a lot. Mm. You know, he, he you mm. know, he, 
what was his biggest weakness when he came into Parliament, it was not sticking to the line. It was allowing himself to be drawn off into sort of thought experiments and theological discussions live on air. Mm. And, you know, and and he really, really, you know, fixed that. Um, You know, another way of looking at it, you know, it is frustrating for journalists, sometimes frustrating for the public. But, you know, sure, Chris Hipkins was attacking him, saying, you know, answer the question, but then election day rolls around and National got 39%, which was higher than anyone expected, and Chris that, Hipkins... ladies and gentlemen, took, is the most important question of all. Yeah, yeah look, uh, you know, so it, it's a real testament to, you know, they had a plan and they stuck to it, mm-hmm. and, you know... Do we, owe, they, do we owe Chris Bishop an apology? For, did he get the strategy right? By the way, do you think maybe, maybe half well, an apology? You know, this, 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 this no, is I think it happened in spite of him, to be honest. <laughs> You know, look, you know, it's, it's, it really is a sort of, you know, the the QED, the thing speaks for ah, itself. Is, no. Was it a successful campaign? Ah, well, ah, they're going to form a government, so ah, it was. Ah, yeah, ah, absolutely. I, um, I, I think, you know, we've seen Luxon struggle when he's being questioned or, you know, there's some, you know, demand for accountability or transparency. And I do think that certainly in the first few months of his prime ministership, we uh he's going to struggle with the shock and awe of what's demanded of you in terms of those things as a PM as opposed to just a leader of the opposition. The the other thing though is that as PM, he'll have the whole public service, he'll you know, they were operating in a low information environment, right? Mm-hmm. The the demands on oppositions these days are actually, I think, quite unrealistic in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, creating this fully costed, fully realistic, you know, fiscal plan. Um, that's meant to sort of, you know, stand up to all scrutiny and be, you know, completely unassailable. Mm. When you're in government, you know, that all gets done for you. Um, And once, you know, once he has the sort of, you know, he certainly seems like somebody who can process information very quickly. Um, You know, he's got that chief executive mindset, Um, you know, you'll find that, you know, he isn't lost for answers as prime minister as much. Right, he will because he will be in a position, unlike really as the leader of the opposition, where he has access to much more information than the people asking him the questions, and he's driving the agenda. And the briefing, and he's, yeah. he's 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 setting the tone. He's he's deciding what he talks about at postcab. So you know, look, I, I actually think you know it is one of those things where he will be a better prime minister. You know, Jacinda Ardern was a much better prime minister than she was an opposition uh, politician. Well, she pulled she off the only, great trick she was of only never leader being of the opposition for like two well, months. Well, that was so. that, that was the <laughs> She never really had to be <laughs> That's right. a, a quotidian leader of the and, opposition. And for almost two perfect, years before perfect that, timing. you know, yeah, didn't, she didn't land her. That's she the deal. You know. Chris Hipkins, all, what we need you to do is just hang on, mate, for a little longer, by which we mean until six weeks out from the next election, <laughs> yeah. at which point we'll have worked out who the next <laughs> one is. Uh, look, we got to go. Uh, congratulations to everybody who's been elected. Genuine congratulations and genuine commiserations to those who've missed out. It's tough. Uh, we wish you all the best. We're now on uh, our fifth Prime Minister at Gone by Lunchtime, um, believe it or not. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> wow. Um, key English, I didn't have So there you go. Uh, and we um, showed no signs of flagging. The gas is still <laughs> <laughs> in the tank. And with luck, we will be back very soon. Thanks, everyone. Kia ora. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.